0: So our third Wednesday of each month, I try to do a prophecy update. And this year we've been looking at uh, the end of First Thessalonians and we're going to pick up in Second Thessalonians. And we're going to kind of work our way through this each month and looking at some of the events going on in our world today as well. And the reason I chose this is largely because in Second Thessalonians, we find that Paul in every chapter, he's speaking about last day events, speaking about the coming of God, uh, Jesus Christ. And uh, I was initially, in fact, I just remembered, I think I already wrote this message and I forgot all about it. Initially got a start in Second Thessalonians a few months ago, and then I backed up reading First Thessalonians and we began our study, picking up some of those passages where he talked about the last day events, especially in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. So, yeah, I probably worked this message up a few months ago. Totally forgot about that until right now and uh, took another stab at it. We're only going to look at the first five verses tonight, and he only begins to talk about uh, God's judgment upon this world in verse 5. So he's only beginning to touch on it. But uh, we're still going to look at this, 2 Thessalonians 1-5 through 5 of chapter 1. And uh, Paul really encouraging a church that he had ministered to as an apostle, helped to found with Sylvanus and Timothy, a church that uh, he was only able to stay there about three weeks before he got chased out of the town. And trouble was brewing, so he went to Berea and uh, told Timothy and Silas to catch up with with him as soon as they could. And he wrote them one letter, the first Thessalonians, wanting to get back, and was so concerned about the church that he sent Timothy to see how they were doing. Timothy came back with a word from the church in Thessalonica, and they were doing really well And you can hear that being reflected in the letter that he responds to them. And then also again in second Thessalonians as well. It really tells us that this was a healthy congregation that was growing in their faith in Jesus Christ. And they were abounding in their love toward one another. And, uh, really toward those outside of the church as well it it teaches us that God was doing effectual work within the church itself and so I titled tonight's message although it is a prophecy update uh, growing faith and abounding love the way that I do prophecy updates I used to do these I was thinking about this um, used to do them once a year like in January I'd talk about events of the world but over the last several years, events in the world are happening so quick. Once a year is not enough. And so tonight I will take a portion. I have three points at the end of each point. I'll look at some of the things going on in our country, in Israel, and in the world. And uh, we'll just tie some of these things together while going through this portion of Second Thessalonians. So, short passage. I'm only taking five verses, so I'll go ahead and read the context and ask God to bless the teaching of his word. Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians, in God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is fitting because your faith grows exceedingly, and the love of every one of you all abounds toward each other, so that we ourselves boast, um, you, boast of you among the churches of God for your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that you endure, which is manifest evidence of the righteous judgment of God, that you may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you also suffer. And so, Father, I pray that you would Bless our time in your word tonight. Let it speak to our hearts. Let it minister to our spirit. Also, Lord, as we uh, look at some of the events going on in our world today, Lord, just give us open hearts to apply these things in the context of the world that we live in today, your biblical truth that's applicable for our day and age. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. So we begin with a pretty common greeting for Paul in his letters. As here, he not only introduces himself, but Sylvanus and Timothy as well, writing to the church in Thessalonica, but also he says, In God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And so that preposition there, that in, in the Greek it's spelt. in, e-n we spell it i-n but it reminded me of what is considered to be the longest sentence in the new testament and that would be found in ephesians chapter 1 verses 1 through 14 where paul uses that same preposition in to express the agent of something being imparted and that agent He keeps referring back to, as he did here, in God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ in Ephesians 1, 3 through 14. He keeps referring back to in our Lord Jesus Christ. And he uses that preposition over and over again as we'll see, as I just rehearsed some of the verses from that portion of Scripture. Now, in my New King James Bible Ephesians one three through fourteen is divided into three sen- sentences, but a sentence compiles of words that has a singular thought to con- you know construct a sentence. And in the Greek, they didn't have punctuation as it was written for us. In fact, Koine Greek it was all written in all capital letters, and so sometimes it's difficult to determine. Beginning and ending of sentences. And so the translators trying to help us um, in this Bible that I'm using gives three sentences, but the continual thought is in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'll show you that this is true. And so it is believed to be by the Bible scholars, Ephesians 1 3 through 14, the longest sentence in the Bible. Because in verse 3 it says we are blessed in every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. In verse 4, we have been chosen in him before the foundation of the world. In verse 6, through God's grace we find that we have been accepted in the beloved. Verse 7, in him we have redemption through his blood, forgiveness of sin. Verse 10, all things in Christ will be gathered together in one, both which are in heaven and which are on the earth, in him. Verse 11, in Christ we have obtained an inheritance. Verse 12, our trusting in Christ is to the praise of his glory. And finally, verse 13, in Christ, as believers, we've been sealed with the Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until redemption. And there is no better place to be, as Paul wrote about this in Ephesians, as we just looked at, but writing about that as well in 2 Thessalonians in the opening introduction in verse one, no better place to be than in God, our father and in the Lord Jesus Christ. I think we live in a world that uh, the world is they have no anchor for their souls and so they're drifting in this world. I keep thinking about um, the reels that Bob has been putting together and posting on social media for us. And I, I was going to look up some of the comments that have been made, um, the negative comments that have been made. Uh, one was simply blah, 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 blah. And so that was the whole comment. I didn't have to look that up. I can remember that one. But. Um, And another one is a couple of times they talk about the Bible being disproven and that it's not real. They have no anchor. They have no truth. And in this world that we live in, it's good for me to have that anchor for us to be in God, our Father, in the Lord Jesus Christ. He goes on in verse 2 saying grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So once again, equal footing, giving to God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. But now talking about grace and peace, as we know in Paul's writing, he always introduced his letters with these two words of grace and peace. Uh, They've been called the Siamese twins of the Bible, grace and peace. And only in his pastoral epistles when he wrote to Timothy and Titus did he include the word mercy in between those two words where he said in 1st and 2nd Timothy grace mercy and peace from God our father and the Lord Jesus Christ or to Titus grace mercy and peace from God our father and the Lord Jesus Christ our Savior so almost identical but he inserted the word mercy for his, uh, his pastoral students of his that he was raising up in the ministry. And perhaps he knew that ministers need a little extra dose of mercy, but I would say that we all do in this world that we live in. But grace and peace. It's been said that you can't know the peace of God apart from the grace of God. And they have taken this, uh, I don't know if you've heard this before, but it's something that I learned many years ago, Of just breaking down the word grace, God's riches at Christ's expense. And the grace and peace that was sent from God, our Father, and from Jesus Christ, our Lord. In 1 John 4, 9 and 10, John would write to us, In this is love, the love of God was manifested toward us, that God sent His only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through Him. In this is love, not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be a propitiation propitiation or a covering for our sins. We love Him because He first loved us. And so... We have this peace of God, according to Romans 5, 1, through our Lord Jesus Christ. And it's through Jesus that we have access by faith into the grace in which we stand. So even in Romans 5, verses 1 and 2, Paul falls back to talking about peace with God and the grace that we stand with God because of the work that he's done in our lives. So grace is refers to God's love in action from which we can find true peace with God so I was thinking about these days that we live in and thinking about the US and there's so much that is happening in our country you could just go on and on about all of the things that are going on um, in the last week we and even today I heard about um, our government government now trying to change the meaning of Title IX for the colleges and universities uh, to try to solidify the trans rights, as far as we know, as um, Riley Gaines and the swimming competition where a boy competing as a woman uh, takes the prize and trying to kind of lock that in. And I was thinking about that because just uh, last two Sundays ago, we had... One of the, a granddaughter visiting because of Easter, but uh, going to a, a college and getting her master's and competed in swimming. So I was talking to her about that, and um, she said their division, it's a lower level college, and there's really no issues going on there. But it is an issue that we find going on in our country. And another thing that, has really popped up over the last couple of weeks is that of the AI happening and Tucker and did an interview with Elon Musk on the last Monday and Tuesday on Fox News and doing that interview talking about uh, the dangers or possibility of dangers of AI in our country and that things are moving very fast. So that was on my mind today as I began looking at this and it reminded me of Daniel 12:4 where it says, but you, Daniel, shut up the words, seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro. Knowledge shall increase. Now, primarily, the words that Daniel received to shut up the prophecy that he had received from the Lord, to seal it up until the time of the end, it has to do with the prophecies that are found In the book of Daniel, other last day prophecies that, Daniel, this isn't for your time, it's for the last days. But know this, many will run to and fro and knowledge shall increase. And surely we see that knowledge is increasing in science and medicine and travel, technology. People are going to and fro across this earth. We are living in the information age. It said that 80% of the world's total knowledge has been brought forth in the last decade and that 90% of all scientists who have ever lived are alive today. I pulled this off from an article from 2019 and uh, talking about knowledge increasing. In 1982, futurists and inventor. R. Buckminster Fuller, R. Buckminster Fuller, his name, estimated that up to 1900, human knowledge doubled approximately every century, but by 1945 was doubling every 25 years. By 1982, it was doubling every 12 to 13 months. In retrospect, this may sound a little quaint since experts estimate by 2020, so this was written, as I said, in 2019, that human knowledge will double every 12 hours. Well, that's obviously not my knowledge doubling every 12 hours, but this artificial intelligence, the trends. And so I found an article, and I'm careful about the articles that I read, and I'll let you know that this is actually coming from Time magazine. I don't agree with everything that they might have written here, But they did put together a top 10 trend list for 2023 about artificial intelligence. And so this is what Time Magazine in January had written about this. And I'm just going to do the bullet points of these. And uh, didn't take the whole thing, but took quite a bit, it seems. First of all, we find, number one, development in predictive analytics, and so the goal, which makes sense to me, is to utilize the knowledge of the past to provide best assessments of what will happen in the future, so that kind of makes sense to us. Number two, a large language models, and they're founded on the principles of the machine learning. We're in algorithms, recognizing, predicting, generating human languages based on very large text data sets. And this AI prediction claimed that the future AI models won't merely reflect the data, but they will reflect our chosen values. And so taking all that information and then assimilating it with thought reflects our chosen values. And that's one of the concerns of AI. It's whoever is setting up the artificial intelligence, well, whose chosen values will they reflect and uh, will those be, those be founded on truth or founded on falsehoods? Number three, information security. Uh, tools and processes adopted for organizations to protect information. And uh, and that kind of makes sense as well as computer age is upon us. And we all have had issues with um security issues, especially with the online stuff. Just, uh, was it last month, Lily, that you had a charge card got, got hacked and uh, $2,600 charged rapidly. And even though she caught it early, they still went through with those charges and didn't charge us. I mean, it was Good that that didn't happen, but security, that's a tool that they're looking at. Number four, the launch of better autonomous systems. So better systems. And the goal of this is that the autonomous systems would think independently and react accordingly. And so not just programmers programming what the machine should do, but the machine figuring out what it should do and accomplishing the task given to it. So art through NFT, number five. I didn't know what NFT were. I've seen them before. I just didn't know what it was. Non-fungible tokens. And so it's digital artwork. I saw uh, President Trump, I think the beginning of this week, has uh, released some new, almost like uh, sports playing cards with his figure on it. He could look like Superman with his face on it, whatever it is. But these are NFTs. They're the non-fungible tokens that uh, have been embedded in that artwork to be sold and traded. And so this is saying that it will help artists to profit their work more easily. Number six, digital avatars. Digital avatars, um, trends that visual form or an image that is constructed to represent a portion, a person in the virtual world. And so we've seen this. um, I think this came out of South Korea, but I've seen a couple of examples of this where people had died. And the one was a husband who knew he was dying. He recorded and it didn't take long, but answer some questions, recorded his answers, and then the computer takes that and it can, from the information given to it, actually not only recreate the image of the person, that the relatives can come and through these digital avatars talk with their deceased relative and have a conversation with the computer, ask, answering back with the voice, the Mannerisms of the individual that had passed away. So kind of strange, but um, people wanting closure. I don't know if that really handles closure for people. But uh, number six, digital avatars. Number seven, AI ethics. And so this was what Elon Musk was talking about. Um, The ethics itself about safety, security, and human concerns and they added environmental considerations. But the concern also is any kind of ethics that we might place here in the United States. This is happening all over our world. So unless there's an international uh, agreement on ethics, then you know there's that race, kind of like the new, um, arms race that we had in the early 20th century. Here it is for knowledge. Military weapons, number eight. Again, um, using artificial intelligence to help in leveraging the increased rate of our military, smart and remote functionalities, protecting our soldiers, having less soldiers. But these are there. Process discovery is number nine, and it talks about technologies and Techniques that AIs can use to identify the performance of those involved in business process. And so I can see businesses jumping on that. And then embedded application, EA, as they call it, talking about real-time fraud tolerance, portability, reliability. And uh, uh, really talking about in this as well, that our mobile phones are already engaged in a form of this, so we find that knowledge is increasing. We also see matthew twenty four twelve that lawlessness will abound, and the love of many will grow cold and It seems that that is something also that we are seeing today uh, this past weekend, just horrible with these teens um, doing these coming through Chicago or out in L.A., um, storming around a gas station and overwhelming the people on the streets and just going wild. And this is the Lord in Matthew 24, 12, talking about lawlessness will abound and the love of many will grow cold. And we've seen this taking place in our country and it's been increasing more and more over the last few years. And there's a lot of things that are at play, many factors that are causing the lawlessness to increase. And some of these that I listed out could include that we've gone away from a belief in God or Jesus Christ. There are fatherless homes. They're legalizing drug use. There was a pizza place that my wife and I started getting pizza at about a year ago Is the last time we went there. And, uh, you know, every once in a while we go over and get a, grab a pizza and think, you know, it's pretty good and it's close, so we'll make this our pizza spots. And then the last time we got pizza there, on the cover of the box, it ba- basically said pizza and munchies, and they were advertising marijuana, legalized marijuana, and it was the last time I went to that restaurant, um, you can have your legalized drugs but you don't have to advertise it to me and expect me to want to help your business so besides I can make my own pizzas and I don't need theirs but it was convenient and uh legalized drug use we're dumbing down our culture with these things uh there's a lot of talk about social justice reforms versus justice reforms so there's a difference it's the difference between justice and social justice. There's been a weakening of our police forces, schools that teach CRT, socialism, LGBTQ, equality, rather than reading, writing, and arithmetic. And Isaiah gave us a warning as well in Isaiah 520. Woe to those who call good evil and evil good, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter we find these things taking place in our world today as we pick up in second Thessalonians back in our text and uh, after this point we'll look at a little bit of what's going on in Israel we find faith and love and patience so first of all faith and love verse 3 we're bound to give thanks always for your brother and as it is fitting because your faith grows exceedingly and the love of every one of you abounds toward each other so Paul, Silas, Timothy, they were in continual prayer for the church in Thessalonica. In fact, they used a Greek word that's translated as bound. It means we ought to, or we must, or we kind of owe it out of moral or personal op- obligation. They, they were bound. They felt like this was their obligation to pray for the church in Thessalonica, the church that they had helped to found. And they didn't stop praying for the church after they had left them. And that's a danger that I noticed in my own life for many of us, that we might have a out-of-sight, out-of-mind prayer practice. And uh, Paul and his company continued to pray for the church that they had founded. That's why I think it's good for us to have a prayer list um, to write down current prayer needs that we may have, maybe even long term prayer needs, but especially having something that when you commit to pray to someone, uh, to write it down, to be able to look at that list, to pray over the list, to help us and not create that out of sight, out of mind. I heard a, a pastor in the Calvary Chapel movement many years ago and I think it was in the Calvary Chapel movement, a pastor who had said this. And at first I kind of liked the thought of it because I understood what he was saying. But now the more I think about it, I don't like how he said this to someone as he was committing to pray for them. But the way he worded it was, when the Lord brings you across my mind, I will pray for you. And I thought, well, at first I thought, well, that's cool. At least, you know, the Lord brings a person to pray. We should do that. But the more I think about it, how about just committing? I'm going to pray for you. Now, um, if you can write the name down. I was another, a Joey Baran, uh, Calvary pastor who was at a youth conference once. And as the youth came forward to ask for prayer after the sessions and he was praying over them, I noticed that he was also writing notes about the individuals that he was praying for. I believe Joey was truly trying not only to pray for them while they were in sight, but also when they were out of sight. And he made a list that he could pray over. So as the founders of this church, Paul felt that he... Silvanus, Timothy, they were obligated, they were bound. He said, we ought to be praying for you guys. And he gave three reasons why. First of all, he said, it's fitting. In the parable of the prodigal son, a very common parable that's found in Luke's gospel, the parable asks for his inheritance, his portion of the inheritance, goes and spends it on prodigal living, has nothing, ends up working for a pig farmer. And a Jewish man working for a pig farmer, things are pretty desperate at that point. At one point, he's eating the food that the pigs were eating. And uh, from reading Scripture, the pods that he was eating that were grain or food for the pigs was basically filler. It had no nutritional value. And so he and his mind finally got to that point and said, it would be better to be a slave in my father's house than to be working for this man. So he went back home, and when dad saw him, he ran to meet him, he fell on his neck, he kissed him, he had the servants bring out a best robe, he put sandals on his feet, a ring on his finger, had the fatted calf killed Today we might think of our deep freezes that we have and maybe a holiday meal that we're planning and we have already purchased the meat and it's in the freezer and before the holiday we'll get that meat out, get it ready to go. For uh, me in the summertime, I already is starting to warm up and I'm thinking, what meat can I start smoking again? And a lot of times that meat is in the freezer and I thaw it out and have some good meals for our family but for them, it was the fatted calf. They had a, a animals that they prepared that would be for special occasions. And he had that calf killed, said Luke 15:23 and 24, Let us eat, be merry, for my son was dead, is alive again. He was lost and is found. If you know the account of the prodigal son, the parable of the prodigal son, The brother was having a hard time with everything that was going on. In fact, he wouldn't come into the feast. His father went out to talk with him and said, Come on, son, what's going on? And he just complained. He said, You're making all this merrymaking over your son who ran off and did. Who knows what? And here I've been faithfully serving you all this time, and you've never even given me a small kid goat that I could have a party with my friends. And the father's response to the son is found in Luke 15:30 30 and 32. And this is the point that I want to tie to our passage. Paul said, "They should pray for the church in Thessalonica, not only because they ought to have been bound to it, but because it's fitting, as it is fitting. So the father's response to his son, Luke 15:30 30 and 32, "Son, you are always with me." And all that I have is yours. It was right. So it is fitting. It was right that we should make merry and be glad for your brother was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So the church in Thessalonica, before Paul and Silas and Timothy arrived there, as far as we know, there were no believers there. They were dead apart from Christ, but they had been found, and now they were alive. So Paul said, this is fitting. Also, he gave the second reason, because your faith grows exceedingly. So in the first letter, Paul, as I said, he was so concerned about the church in Thessalonica that he sent Timothy back to see how they were doing, to establish them, to encourage them concerning their faith, and he brought back a good report of their faith and their love. And Paul, it says in 1 Thessalonians 3.7, was comforted concerning their faith. And so, because their faith grows exceedingly, you can think, well, this is great. They're they're growing in the Lord. I don't need to pray for them anymore. But Paul looked at them as a father. I am a not only a father but a grandfather, and I have three teenage boys and you know and uh, two teenage girls. Well, one's not a teenager yet, but she's getting close. But um, I'm never going to be done praying for them, as it is fitting. They're our kids. Paul says, you're our kids. Your faith is growing exceedingly. That's great. I'm going to keep praying. And number three, because the love of every one of you abounds toward each other. And so then love, their love was abounding. And there was fruit. And that was love. And so it was in their first Letter. They referred to their labor of love in 1 Thessalonians 1.3. Timothy brought back a good report of their love in First Thessalonians 3.6. And Paul encouraged them to increase and abound, abound in love in 1 Thessalonians 3.12. And now he's praying for them because their love is abounding, but he wasn't going to be finished praying for them. So this type of love the father had toward the prodigal son, toward both of his sons actually, same kind of love that God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ has for each of us, and the same kind of love that Paul had for the church that was founded in their faith through his ministry. And he goes on in verse 4 to speak about patience and faith, so that we ourselves boast of you among the churches of God for your patience your faith and all your persecutions tribulations that you endure so incredibly the church of Thessalonica was growing in faith they abounded in love and it was while they were under severe persecution in fact he made both of these persecutions and tribulations in plural form So we don't know how many, but they were ongoing, it seems. And yet, in the process of that, they were abounding in their patience, in their faith, in their love. And it caused Paul to boast to the other churches about what was going on in Thessalonica. And I think that's so cool that we should be able to Uh, not only grow in our faith, but to be boasting about the work that the Lord is doing in our midst to others as well. So there in Thessalonica, we can find the history of this in Acts chapter 17 when Paul and Silas came there, began to preach the gospel there, Timothy as well. And persecution arose only after three Sabbaths that we read about. And they were accused of turning the world upside down, saying in Acts seventeen six, those who have turned the upside the world upside down have come here too, and they were also accused of acting contrary to the decrees of Caesar going against the king, saying that there is another king, Jesus, Acts seventeen seven. And so they were accused, they were persecuted And yet their love, their patience, and their faith continued to grow. We see that in light of Jesus' second coming, they were patiently enduring persecutions and tribulations, knowing that when Jesus would come, that he would be able to deliver them from the coming wrath, but also that he would, in verse 5, their sufferings, which is a manifest evidence of the righteous judgments of God, that you would be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you also suffer. So before we look at verse five, a couple of things about Israel. I've been watching. It's been going on for about 15 weeks now. A lot of protests going on in Israel, a lot of protests going on in France right now, too. Two different reasons. For the protests in France, they're trying to lower the retirement age by two years, um, I believe to 62 years old, and uh, lower it by two years. We're thinking, I wish I could retire at 62 years, but it's a mess, and uh, I'm in an online class with one of the students that is currently doing ministry with her husband there in France, in Paris, and just last month talking about all the piles of garbage, and I saw yesterday that they were burning quite a bit in the streets, and uh, pretty heavy issues going on there, but that's not what's happening in Israel. They're not trying to change the retirement age in Israel, but uh, they're trying to change uh, judicial reform. Uh, Netanyahu, who is the prime minister once again, has a pretty strong and conservative hold, but it's getting a little shaky right now, and partly because of things going on. First of all, a verse of Scripture in Mark 13, 7 and 8, it says, Jesus speaking, when you hear of wars, rumors of wars, do not be troubled, for such things must happen. But the end is not yet, for nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places. There will be famines and troubles. These are the beginning of sorrows. And Netanyahu is in trouble. It's a question mark. It's an article that I pulled from the Jerusalem Times, Israel Today, sorry. This article is from Israel Today, and it's talking about the poll numbers of his party, if you know Uh, They're so different than the United States, but they have their governing authority is ruled over by the Knesset. 120 members in the Knesset and they need 61 to have majority and no party has 61 votes or party members. And so they have to uh, take smaller groups to kind of form a coalition and uh Netanyahu has a a strong coalition right now but they are saying in this latest poll that things could change pretty rapidly but they're accounting it not for the judicial reforms that has caused protest to come out in the streets especially around Tel Aviv and Tel Aviv is a very liberal city but uh they're saying that Netanyahu, who's always been thought to be very hawkish and uh, strong on defense, has not really responded well to the recent terrorist attacks. And speaking of those terrorist attacks, there's another article that came from Israel today, where the title of the article is, Day of Judgment, Major Iranian, Iranian Attack is Coming, warns Israeli expert. So they go on to list the expert that's talking about this. But um, he actually said, uh, Dr. Kaidar, he said, I hesitate, hesitate quite a bit whether to publish things that appear below because the panic that it might cause in Israel. And then he goes, however, in the Middle East, and in particular in Iraq, These things are known and serve as a topic of open discussion. And he goes on to talk about Iran kind of funding funding an attack to come against Israel, launching from several different points, not launching from Iran, but Iran using, in the points that he lists out, Lebanon and Hezbollah and Hamas, Syria, uh, Iraq, Yemen and Gaza. And so to have, to basically fund and to fuel the attack from five different nations all at once toward Israel. And so this is a warning that's going out in Israel. Also in Israel, in the news in the last few weeks, they, every time there's a strong conservative government, which they have right now, they try to squelch uh Evangelicals, they try to squelch Christians trying to share their faith about Jesus Christ. That is in the works right now. It may not pass, but they're trying to get a bill through that would prevent Evangelicals to proselyze basically, to the Jewish com- communities. And uh, just this last week, I learned that the Abraham Accords with United Arab Emirates, is actually strengthening and uh, they have jumped in to become, this article states, this is from, I believe, the Israeli times, but that the United Arab Emirates is one of 20 top trading partners that have agreements um, with Israel now since the Abraham Accords came together. So that made me, there's all this turmoil, and then there's a plan of peace. And it made me think about Daniel 9.27 that prophesies about the coming of the Antichrist, where it says, And he shall confirm a covenant with many for one week, and in the middle of that week shall bring it to an end sacrifice and offerings and on the wing of abominations shall be one who makes desolate even until the consummation, which is determined and poured out on the desolate. So we look prophetically to a coming peace agreement from the Antichrist with the world, but especially there in Israel. And we see that there is a form of peace with what had been traditionally Israel's enemies. Now, verse 5, our last verse. And I want to highlight the beginning of it first. It says, "...which was manifest evidence of the righteous judgment of God. Their patience and faith and their love, in the midst of persecution and tribulations, became evidence of the righteous judgments of God." Peter would later write in 1 Peter 4, 14, if you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you for the spirit of glory and God rests upon you. On their part, he is blasphemed, but on he, your part, he is glorified. So the injustice that came against them, their persecutions and tribulations, one day would be made evident when God judges our world in righteousness. And Paul was saying, That right at that time, it was evidence, it was manifest evidence of the righteous judgment of God. And the second half of that verse, that you may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you also suffer. And so the suffering which they endured, the tribulations, the persecutions, while they were increasing in faith, in patience, and in love, it was not that they were earning the right to enter into the kingdom of God because our salvation is not based on works, but on the work of God himself. It is a gift of God, according to Ephesians 1.8. But the believers of Thessalonica were counted worthy because they suffered and their patience of hope in Jesus Christ. They were dependent on the Lord in the difficulty of their days. And we need to be a body of Christ who has that same dependency on Christ in the day and age that we find ourselves in. And so I'm going to close out with just, uh, I was thinking about my question that I asked for the update. Are the nations of the world advancing toward the last days? And I pulled this from Time magazine and I do not agree with everything that's written here. I rarely agree with Time Magazine, but it also helps us to understand where our world is thinking as well. And this was, at the beginning of the year, 10 global risk of 2023. So their top 10 list, and I, they began the article before they got into their top 10 list, they began the article with this paragraph, Threats to the Future of Democracy, Look overrated these days, given the glaring leadership weaknesses now evident in Russia, China, and Iran. And then I wrote next to it, I might add weaknesses in the United States as well. They didn't talk about the U.S., but I believe we have weak leadership right now as well. Their top ten list, a rogue Russia, a cornered Russia will turn... From global player into the world's most dangerous rogue state, posing a serious and persuasive danger, pervasive danger to Europe, the U.S. and beyond. Um, uh, China, the political leader in China itself, um, having the authority that he has with no dissenting voices, their number two is the leader there in china saying that his ability to make big mistakes could also kind of unravel our world and number three the weapons of mass destruction on the increase and they mentioned ai we already looked at that but they mentioned on their top three or top ten list here of dangers for 2023 Artificial intelligence to manipulate people, disrupt society, and uh, to make a tipping point for this trend. Number four, inflation shockwaves. We're feeling them right now, but there are they, those who are saying it's only going to get worse throughout the year and it's going to ripple across the world. Number five, Iran in a corner. So we just read Israel. And uh, uh, one of the intelligence agents in Israel saying that Iran is a threat to our nation. And here, number five, Iran in the corner, is how they word it, that while the anti-government, the youth in Iran are protesting against their government, have been for a few months now, but this is not slowing them down. They are going after their nuclear program. They're also uh, supplying Putin with military weapons and number five on time's top 10 dangers of 2023. Number six, the energy crunch. And here they kind of get the global warming in there. I mean, climate change. Sorry, I got the wrong words used there. But uh Geopolitics, economics, production factors, and I would argue that uh, government decisions are causing some of this energy crunch as well, that it is going to be rising costs for households and businesses. We have all been facing those already. Number seven, the arrested global developments, and so the global Uh, Countries tripling, some countries, more than a billion people escaping extreme poverty to join the ranks of history's first global middle class in 2023. So I read this last year, it just reminded me of this, more than a billion people escaping. What I read last year is that from Asia and Africa and from South America, that uh, and the uh, World Economic Forum and all these things kind of encouraging this, the that a half a billion from the European continent, the African continent, moving into Europe, and a half a billion from South America into the United States and Canada. And so it seems that these things are well on their way, a displacement of people, they're saying, because of their economy, because of war, because of uh, a number of things, but bringing them into more of the western areas of our nation our world and so global arrested global development a moving of a billion people it's well underway number 8 divided states of america talking about the 2022 midday midterm elections and here is a very liberal side of time magazine i'll read what they wrote the 2022 midterm elections halted the slide toward constitutional crisis in the united states presidential election as voters rejected virtually all candidates running for state governor or state attorney general who denied or questioned the legitimacy of the 2020 presidential election so everything's tying back to 2020 it still is and uh what they didn't write about this which i think is really true is that the overturn of roe versus wade uh, gave the democrats a platform on which they could run trying to convince people that they would lose their abortion rights and that gave probably the biggest halt not um, people who didn't agree with the 2020 elections but more so uh, bringing out the Democrats to the polls. Number nine, the TikTok boom. And that's been a warning that has been out quite a bit. And then number 10, water stress. And water stress becoming a global and systematic challenge, as they said. And the management of water itself. So we used to, for a couple of years, Lily and I lived out in California, and uh, they were always dealing with water issues, and over one winter, they have no water issues at all. Uh, A lot of these water stress has to do with the policies, even out in California, a lot of their rainwater, they would run right out into the ocean not to capture the water that God had given them. Now they've had so much snow. I don't know what they're going to do when it all starts thawing. But uh, God can turn things around. But the world recognizes that there is stress, there is dangers out there. We've read two top ten lists tonight. We've looked at some of the things going on in the U.S. and Israel, other parts of the world. And Jesus said, and I'll close with these words: Luke twenty-one twenty-eight. Now, when you see these things begin to happen, look up, lift up your heads because your redemption draws near. Father, we look at these things not that we should be frightened in the conditions of the world today. We should be cautious. We should prepare as best we can for coming challenging days. We shouldn't be foolish. And Lord, there could be tribulations, there could be persecutions. But I pray, Lord, as the body of Christ, we would be patient in love and in faith and that we would endure like the church of Thessalonica. Give us such faith. Help us to be like Paul and Silas and Timothy, Lord, that we would pray for our brothers and sisters, not to have an out-of-sight, out-of-mind prayer life, but, Lord, that you would keep things on our hearts, keep us in prayer for our churches, for our nation, for those who are governing over us, whether it's federal or state or local. Father, we're all impacted by decisions that are being made in our nation. And Lord, sometimes here in the state of Illinois, they have this practice of when they get pushed back on something that more conservative people do not want to see passed, they'll change the bill number and they'll push it through. While we're sleeping in our beds at night, it'll be one, two in the morning that they'll push through a bill. And Father, uh, that's not technically, I guess it's legal, but it's knowingly not right. They're taking advantage of the system that they have been really to govern over for the good of all people. And yet, Lord, we know that in this world there are people with agendas But we know, Lord, that you are over this whole world, and in you we put our trust. And we thank you, Lord, for your word. Let it be our anchor of our soul and the hope of our salvation. Through our faith in Jesus Christ, we give you praise this evening. In the name of Jesus, amen. Pray that God would bless you and keep you, that his face would always shine upon you and give you peace.